from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up on this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch, if you're watching and not just listening, you'll notice a different setting. We're in the FRC Media Center, the location of last night's State of Faith, Family, and Freedom Address. If you missed it, you can still see it at TonyPerkins.com. And we're just excited to have a live audience today. Pastors from 19 different states are here at the Family Research Council. They are a part of our Association of Church Ministries. So, uh, gentlemen, welcome. The reports out of Turkey and northeast Syria are heart-wrenching. The destruction is widespread, and from my contacts, the government in Turkey has reportedly been very slow to help the Christians in the region. Samaritan's Purse is responding to the need. We'll get an assessment from them tomorrow, and that will include ways that you can help. In the meantime, be praying for our brothers and sisters there in that region. But for today, it's the tale of two unions. I'm looking forward for he- from here, uh, hearing President Biden later today about the amazing progress we've made in improving the lives of American families and to hear his vision for the next two years in the administration. And under the leadership and vision laid out by President Biden, we've been able to deliver more for the American people than ever before. All right, calm down, folks. I got to to finish the program. All right, I mean, let me tell you, he's spinning like a top. A Monmouth poll found that 73% of Americans say the nation is on the wrong track. So what's the question? Did 73 million miss the amazing progress? Or was House Majority Leader Steve Scalise's assessment more accurate? The state of our union is struggling under the weight of President Biden's far-left extremist agenda that is hurting families across this country. He may talk tonight about the debt ceiling, and of course, the debt ceiling is a symptom of Washington's spending problem under Joe Biden. Well, speaking of the debt ceiling and spending, the Biden White House continuing to say they will not negotiate over the debt ceiling. But they may not have an option if Republicans in the House and Senate stick together. The question is, will they? We'll talk with Texas Senator John Cornyn, a member of the Senate Republican leadership team, in just a moment. And did the Chinese spy balloon reveal more than the growing boldness of the Chinese Communist Party? Did it reveal a problem in our military? The military claiming in a written statement last week that, quote, instances of this kind of balloon activity have been observed previously over the past several years, end quote. Oh, wait a minute. Those past several years include the Trump administration. But this is the first that members of Congress and those in the Trump administration are hearing about it. Why? We're going to talk about that with Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. And one of the issues we discussed last night in our state of faith, family, and freedom was the encouraging effort by parents and lawmakers to protect children from the left's transgender push. Missouri State Representative Brad Hudson is one of those leaders, and he will join us later here on Washington Watch. And celebrating unholy, a a satanic celebration at the Grammys, and Christian leaders like Pope Francis normalizing homosexuality. Is there a connection? How should Bible-believing Christians respond? We're going to talk about that with Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah chapter 16. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. The Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness, and unprofitable things. 
Shall men make gods, though men themselves are not gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. You know, God is explaining to Jeremiah his purposes in punishing his people who had rejected him for idols. The world, he said, shall know that my name is the Lord. The bottom line is that God is about making his name known so that men, women, and children would know him, their creator, as their Lord. God will work with us or he'll work through us make his name known. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. All right, when President Biden delivers his second State of the Union address in just a few hours, he'll do so facing a string of domestic and foreign policy crises of his own making, problems that have only gotten worse in the 11 months since his last address, the crisis at our southern border, inflation levels not seen in 40 years, supply chain mismanagement, an investigation into his mishandling of classified documents, and now a breach of the U.S. skies by the Chinese government. All of this has many asking, what exactly is the state of our union? Joining me now to discuss this and more is Senator John Cornyn. He serves on the Senate Finance Committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee, and the Senate Intelligence Committee. He represents the state of Texas and he's a part of the Republican leadership in the Senate. Senator Cornyn, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. All right. We have a foreign adversary blatantly and openly spying on our nation and many other crises. Has the Biden administration become so fixated on their obsessions with their domestic priorities, abortion, transgender ideology, that they've taken their eye off the ball for keeping this country safe? Well, I think uh, if this spy balloon is any indication, I think the answer to that is yes. It seems like the administration is always a day late and a dollar short when it comes to uh, threats like this. And there is no good explanation that I've heard so far for why this spy balloon, which the president ordered shot down off the East Coast, could not have been shot down before it crossed the continental United States. And um, certainly uh, uh, this is this is a back going backfire, going to backfire, I should say, on President Xi, um, while he may think he could do something like this, invade our airspace and uh, and threaten our national sovereignty. I think the American people now understand exactly what the nature of the threat is and how aggressive the Chinese Communist Party has been and will continue to be until we stop them. Uh, Senator Cornyn, the president tonight, going to try to make Americans feel like everything's okay, but nearly three quarters of Americans say the country is on the wrong track and he's the conductor. How is he going to convince Americans that everything's okay? Well, I don't think he's going to be successful, Tony, because uh, two-thirds of the people polled in his own political party don't want him to run for re-election in 2024. That's hardly a vote of confidence. But I think the president's going to probably ignore things like, uh, as you mentioned, the 40-year high in inflation, which continues to eat into and erode uh, purchasing power by hardworking American families, uh, crime, which has become all too common because, frankly, the police don't believe we have their back through uh, movements like the defund police to make it hard to recruit and retain uh, good uh, law enforcement officers to keep our community safe. And and third, uh, I'm sure he will ignore the humanitarian and public safety crisis at the border. I mentioned public safety because 
We last year alone, we lost 108,000 Americans to drug overdoses. Almost exclusively, those drugs have come across the southern border, and the president doesn't seem to to care. Yeah, I mean, it's the real simple solution. It wasn't a big problem before he got here. Trump, President Trump, his administration pretty much shut down uh, this uh, flow across the border. I want to go to the debt ceiling. I want to play this clip from uh, the Senate leader, Chuck Schumer, earlier today. Clip number two, please. House Republicans are risking economic disaster by holding our country hostage to just to push their extreme, unpopular, and downright dangerous agenda. Our plan's simple. It's a plain, simple plan. Raise the debt limit clean. It's simple, but it's a real plan. Oh, wow. Uh, so the, the Republicans are simply saying, look, We've got to have some spending reforms here, and we're, we're, we're not until June until we're up against the wall on this. Uh, but the administration is saying they're not going to negotiate. Will Senate Republicans back up the House Republicans on this? Absolutely. You know, uh, nobody believes in America, including Chuck Schumer, notwithstanding what he just said, that we can continue to borrow money at the current rate, now some $31 trillion in debt, without uh, without triggering a, a crisis, an economic crisis. We know interest rates are high because the Federal Reserve is trying to combat this 40-year high in inflation, and we're spending more and more of our tax dollars just to pay um, the debt service, the interest rate on our bonds. Uh, so everybody knows, including Joe Biden, that this is unsustainable. Uh, but this is a big game of chicken, and uh, they're focused on the House. Uh, the House needs to come up with a unified plan, but they do, as you point out, have some time to do that. Uh, but then when they when they do, then uh, the Senate uh, Republicans will certainly back them up. Everybody knows this is not something to toy with, uh, but which makes the president's position that he's not gonna, going to negotiate all the more irresponsible. It's going to be interesting to see what he has to say tonight uh, about that. I want to switch topics for a moment. You recently introduced a bill that would bring reciprocity for legal gun owners in states. I mean, the streets are getting dangerous. Americans want to protect themselves. Tell us about this bill. Well, this is simply like a driver's license for for those people who are licensed or authorized within their state uh, to carry a firearm. Some have concealed handgun permits. Others, like Texas, have constitutional carry. Uh, but people, law-abiding citizens, shouldn't be tripped up if they cross state lines and inadvertently encounter a more restrictive law. Many states do have reciprocity, but what this bill would do would be to grant um, reciprocity for your state's laws in any one of the other 49 states, of course, subject to whatever limitations those states may have. But most states do have some form of constitutional carry. And I have to tell you, just I was talking with some friends with the Fraternal Order of the Police today, and they were recounting to me some of the response times to the most serious emergencies by police because they're understaffed. And citizens need to be able to protect themselves and their families and are not a threat to public safety. I want to go to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Just got uh, about a minute and a half here left. But the the Biden administration pushing forward some very radical nominees for the court, some uh, for uh, uh, Abudu, who is uh, she's a, a, a young woman who was connected with 
the Southern Poverty Law Center caught up in their scandal. Uh, we've got those that are clearly against law enforcement being pushed by this administration. Uh, did, did the Republicans have any uh, any chance of uh, slowing down this train? Well, it's hard being in the minority. And, um, you know, we previously had a tied uh, Senate and the vice president could come in and break that tie. But our main recourse here is to appeal to some of the centrists in the Democratic Party. I'm thinking about Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. I say centrists, they not by conservative standards, but they sometimes are an ally when the administration goes to extreme lengths to nominate ideological nominees. And so we have been able to stop some. But the judge, the potential nominee that you mentioned, um, or the actual nominee that you mentioned, I think is so extreme, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get them to join with us and stop them. But this is the litmus test for this administration. It's ideological. It's not qualifications. It's not experience. It's not temperament. It's not an even-handed administration of justice. It's uh, ideologues. And uh, we need to stop them when and wherever we can. Another realization that the American people should see that elections have consequences. Senator John Cornyn, uh, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right. Senator John Cornyn of uh, Texas, part of the Senate uh, Republican leadership team. But you heard him there that they're going to back up the House Republicans as they take a stand to try to get some spending reforms in exchange for raising the debt ceiling. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Coming up, the military saying that, oh, these balloons have been over before. In fact, last several years, we saw them during the Trump administration. Really? Did they tell anybody? We talk about it next. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday. We are in the FRC Media Center where we've got pastors from across the country, or 19 states actually represented. Right. Welcome. This, um, this is where we did our State of Faith, Family, and Freedom last night. You can actually watch that at TonyPerkins.com. All right. Among the many shadows cast over the president's State of the Union address this evening is last week's disturbing event when a Chinese spy balloon traveled across much of the country to a lackluster response from the president over the weekend. And uh, Department of Defense sources said that our airspace was also breached during the Trump administration. Now, Trump administration officials say they received no such briefings, suggesting possible chain of command violations and raising many, many questions. I mean, I've got a lot of questions about this. Joining me now to discuss this and the president's State of the Union address tonight is Congressman Mike Johnson. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee, the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana. He's part of the Republican House leadership team. Uh, Congressman Johnson, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Great to be with you, as always. All right. You serve on the House Armed Services Committee. How many balloon briefings did you get? Uh, we got none, and it's interesting that uh, apparently the administration or, or someone knew that this latest uh, Chinese balloon, spy balloon, was floating at least since January 21st, is what we now understand. Now, we saw it and tracked it for seven days uh, before it even came across the Aleutian Islands in Alaska. So as soon as it got into U- U.S. territory, we want to know. Why wasn't it taken down then? Why would we allow this to float across the entire continent, hovering above sensitive military installations and other assets? I mean, it's just a very, very dangerous thing, and I, I don't think we can over, overstate the importance of this. Well, one of the things that disturbs me uh, is the statement, a written statement, so it's not like it was misinterpreted by the, mili- by the media, a written statement from the Pentagon last Thursday which said in part, quote, instances of this kind of balloon activity have been observed previously over the past several years. Now, the civilian leadership in the Trump administration have been asked, hey, did you guys know about a balloon? Uh, None of them know anything about it. I've talked to several members of Congress. No one's been briefed on this. I'll have to tell you, I'm starting to smell a milli. 
you know, Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, who's the one who said if he could pick, he would pick up the phone and call his Chinese counterpart in the event. Don't worry, if anything's going to happen with Trump, I'm going to call you. I mean, this is troubling that the military would not have advised the civilian leadership of this breach of America's borders. It's deeply troubling. If indeed there were balloons during the Trump administration, we know that uh, Mike Pompeo didn't know about it. He was the CIA director and, it, and eventually the Secretary of State. We know that Mark Esper didn't know about it, the Secretary of Defense. I mean, um, it, it, apparently it stopped at some military leader at a lower level. Why in the world would the commander in chief not be informed of this? China is recognized to be almost a peer-to-peer -peer adversary with us. They are the, the, the greatest threat to us, except for our national debt. And, and the idea that they would be floating spy balloons anywhere near the country and the commander-in-chief not be informed of it is, is a pretty outrageous and, and, I think, a rather frightening prospect. No one in Congress knew about it, not on the Intelligence Committee, the Armed Services Committee, any of the places any of us serve here. And, and we're deeply concerned. So as you said at the outset, Sony, Tony, we have many more questions than we have answers yet, but we are going to get those answers. When are we going to see the first hearing on this? We have at least three committees now probing this already. We, this all just happened, of course, uh, over the weekend. And so uh, we'll be uh, setting those for hearing, I think, in the next in the coming days. This is not going to take weeks. This will be days because we have to demand these answers. I, I spoke with my former colleague in the House, Greg Gianforte, who's now the governor of Montana, and on, on Saturday. And uh, he told me that he was not even informed that the balloon was hovering above his state until it was a couple of hundred miles across his border into his state. I mean... You have to allow those in charge to know what's going on. Well, it's just great this I mean, but, but we didn't even know what it was. We didn't know if it was carrying some kind of uh, biohazard, some kind of, uh, you know, release. Uh, you know, it could have been an EMP. And we just let it move across our country. This is reckless. It's reckless and it's dangerous because, as has been said many times in the last few days, uh, Xi is toying with us. China is testing President Biden. He's testing his resolve. He's trying to determine if he's going to be strong or weak. And I think we all know what he is projecting here. This is a very dangerous time to be projecting weakness on the world stage, because as Reagan used to remind us, we maintain the peace through strength, our strength, but weakness invites aggression. And so we just sent a message to all of our adversaries, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and terrorists and tyrants all around the world right. that our president lacks resolve. I, it's hard to see this any other way. Well, speaking of hot air, what do you expect to hear tonight uh, <laughs> during the State of the Union address? Well played. Uh, we, we expect a lot of that. We expect more spin. We expect uh, deflection. Uh, for all of the self-made crises that President Biden and his administration have have created here. Look, we, we have a catastrophe on every front of public policy, and it is undeniable. These are objective facts that the American people know and, and feel. They're, they're living through the, the policy, the consequences of the policy decisions that this administration and this president have been making for the last two years, and, and it's beyond refute. So we're going to hear happy talk. We're going to hear uh, lots of, uh, you know, talking points tonight, but it's I, I fear that it's going to bear very small resemblance to the actual facts. And and I'm telling you, my people know, you know, uh, the people that I represent in my district in Louisiana, I think few of them will be watching tonight because they figure, what's the point? It's just more spin. Right. Uh, very quickly, about 30 seconds left. We just had Senator John Cornyn on the program, and he said the Senate Republicans would back up the House Republicans when it came to negotiations over the debt ceiling. Are the Republicans in the House going to put forward a very straight, clear thinking plan? 
Yes, we're working on that. It'll be very reasonable. We have to make grown-up decisions here. We have a $31.5 trillion federal debt. We cannot continue on this trajectory. So it's time for difficult decisions. Congress cannot kick the road down the, the can down the road any further, and and we have to take responsibility for this because it's that, that's our that's our duty here. All right, Congressman Mike Johnson, good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, my friend. All right. Well, coming up, Missouri is another state with legislators working to protect its children from life-altering experimental gender treatments. This is something I talked about last night in the State of Faith, Family, and Freedom Address, how parents are now finding out what our government officials, sometimes in the schools, teachers, not telling them what their children are doing. And then, of course, we have Planned Parenthood. We have the Biden administration pushing children down this destructive, life-altering path. But thankfully, thankfully, we have leaders that are stepping forward and saying no, state after state, and they need your support. We're going to be joined by one of those leaders from Missouri next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Yes. It's not, not often we have a live audience here in Washington, D.C. I mean, not an audience in person. Our audience is always live. It's never, yeah, it's always live. It's always live. But uh, we have pastors from about 19 states here as a part of our 
Association of Church Ministries, and so they're joining us here today down in the Media Center where we did our State of Faith, Family, and Freedom address last night. And one of the topics we talked about was this push to transgender our children and how schools are hiding it from parents, how Planned Parenthood is profiting from it, and how the Biden administration has made this a top priority. Well, fortunately, we've got leaders in states across the country that are stepping forward to protect children, not exploit them. We had a state senator from Nebraska last week that introduced a bill to prevent children in her state from being subjected to experimental gender procedures, including surgery. And uh, as I, I, I say on this program all the time, this is why elections are so important, especially local and state elections. You know, legislators in the state of Missouri in this session have also introduced similar bills to protect children, to protect them from exploitation. Joining me now to discuss this is Missouri State Representative Brad Hudson. He represents the 138th District of the Shelby State. Brad, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me on, Tony. I appreciate it. Well, now there are multiple bills being discussed in Missouri. You guys are taking this head on. In total, they would stop harmful procedures for children, protect girls' sports, and prevent sexualized drag queen shows from being performed for children. Now, tell us about your bill to protect children from these experimental surgeries. So my bill is House Bill 419, which would establish the Missouri's Children Deserve Help, Not Harm Act. And what that bill would do at its core is it would... uh, protect children from harmful and unnecessary gender transition drugs and surgeries. This is for children under the age of 18. We had a hearing in the Missouri House General Laws uh, Committee uh, just about two weeks ago, and we're hoping to get that voted out of committee soon. Last year, there was a version of the SAFE Act, which was blocked by Senate Democrats in the state Senate. Do things look different this year that you might be able to get this bill through? I think we've got a good chance this year. I mean, there there are always going to be individuals that are going to fight against something like this, right? And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, at the hearing, there were a number of witnesses that came to testify against my bill. But you know what I say? I say that if the left wants to announce to the entire state of Missouri and to the world uh, that they are willing to uh, not protect children from these uh, drugs and surgeries in order to protect their flawed ideology, I say, I say, bring it on. People are waking up to this problem, and uh, I really am hoping and praying that we see some results this year in Missouri. Representative Hudson, let me ask you this question about, I've read some of the media reports. How has the media treated this uh, there in the state of Missouri? Well, it's interesting. I've, I've had some uh, conversations with some media folks, and uh, uh, some of those conversations have been quite lengthy. Uh, I've provided them with a lot of good data, a lot of good evidence as to why uh, we should be doing this. Then the story, in some cases, comes out, and, and if I'm quoted at all, it's very little. And most of the story is, uh, is on the opposition or is uh, slanted toward the opposition. The media is uh, not on our side in this, uh, but the citizens of Missouri overall, uh, the majority of them, the vast majority of them are. What are you hearing from your constituents? They think, what I'm hearing from my constituents are things like, 
Why haven't we already done this? Why has it taken this long? I mean, this is common sense. This is something uh, that to protect children ought to be a priority. And the fact that we haven't done this yet is something that frustrates a number of constituents and they are uh, behind my efforts and getting a lot of support from back home. So I want to ask you this because I, I know exactly what you're talking about with the media. The media is all in for the other side. I don't know what, I mean, the, the media is gone and, and, and they lie, they twist, they won't report. How can, we've got a lot of listeners in Missouri. How can they help you get this bill across the line to protect children? Thank you so much for that question. Uh, first of all, uh, pray for me. Pray for us in the Missouri House. We're not just fighting a political battle here. We are fighting a spiritual battle, and uh, we want the prayers. We need the prayers of God's people. And for your audience in Missouri, go to house.mo.gov. Find out who your state representative is. Contact his or her office. Mention House Bill 419, the Missouri's Children Deserve Help, Not Harm Act. Ask your state rep to co-sponsor that bill and ask her what or him what they can do uh, uh, to move this farther along in the process. We need a lot of support up here in the state house. Well, we're going to encourage our listeners to do just that. And uh, uh, Representative Hudson, I'm going to ask you if I can pray with you. Uh, you asked for prayer, and so I'm just going to, when people ask, we pray. And I, and I want to thank you for your courage and your boldness, and, and I want to encourage other legislators across the state, across the country, to, uh, to do the same. Father, I thank you for uh, Representative Hudson. I thank you for his courage and his boldness. And I pray, Lord, you just give him strength and give him favor. I pray you would silence the, those that want to twist and lie and distort. And I pray, Lord, that his colleagues would, uh, would hear from their constituents and they would rise to support this measure to protect children in the state of Missouri. Bless him now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Representative Hudson, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we're going to continue to track this. And uh, again, we're going to encourage our listeners and viewers to weigh in with their elected representatives there in Missouri. Good to have you on. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Thank you. All right. I just committed you. If you live in Missouri, you're going to help. All right. So uh, you can find out more. If you didn't catch that from Representative Hudson, you can uh, find it at TonyPerkins.com. Look, this program is about informing you. Not just so you can have knowledge, but so that you can act on that knowledge and make a difference. I'm telling you, what is happening to our children and as a result to our country is tragic. And and we've got to step forward and we've got to support those who are taking these stands. All right, don't go away. Dr. Al Mohler joins us next here on Washington Watch. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and we are in the FRC Media Center today where we've got pastors from around the country, 19 states actually, here, as a part of our Association of Church Ministries. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, this is a good topic uh, for these pastors. Flanked by Protestant leaders from the Anglican Communion and the Presbyterian Church, Pope Francis delivered an impromptu press conference Sunday while traveling home from South Sudan, discussing that country's law criminalizing homosexuality. Now, the Pope's language when addressing this topic was unclear, unclear, at a time when moral clarity has never been more vital. Now, despite this, the Pope's comments were met with praise by both the liberal Protestant leaders with him and the mainstream press. You know, for today, the easiest path path to attracting praise and the accolades of man is to move toward embracing what is wrong. Something similar happened at the Grammy Award shows that uh, earlier this week when two pop singers embraced what was unholy by celebrating Satan in order to glorify themselves. I mean... Are these things connected? Now, these were two transgender singers. But what's going on in our country? How should Christians respond to this? Joining me now to discuss this is Dr. Albert Moeller. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kentucky. Kentucky. Dr. Moeller, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Always good to be with you and appreciate your stand for truth. And what encouraging things we have to talk about today. Yes. Uh, I, but I want to start with this. Uh, the, the, I got a short quote from the Pope when he was in this 
this impromptu uh, press conference. And, and let me give a little context here. I've been to Sudan. In fact, uh, my last international trip was uh, to meet with the prime minister in Sudan uh, as a chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And uh, it's interesting, as I've spoken to international leaders, one of the things they're concerned about the United States under this administration, under, under the Obama administration was how we're forcing them to change their morality, to embrace abortion, homosexuality. And and so now we have the Pope uh, making statements that would suggest that they need to change their standard of morality. So let's play this clip. I think it's clip number seven of the Pope. Condemning a person like that is a sin. Criminalizing people of homosexual tendencies is an injustice. Now, I, I, I have the, the, the Pope's entire statement because I don't like to take stuff from the press because sometimes they misquote. Uh, not much, but sometimes. <laughs> um, but he was talking about it's a sin to condemn those who have uh, unwanted sexual attractions. But the law there is not about unwanted sexual attractions. It's actually acting on those unwanted sexual attractions. So there's really two different issues we're talking about here. No, absolutely. And uh, by, by the way, we, we biblically as Christians that temptation is of sin. So there is no way to glorify temptation. And, and the worst part of the problem of the LGBTQ revolution on this score is that you have the collision between identity politics and, and really a very bad theology in which people say, this is what defines me. This is who I am. I declare myself to be this. You've got to deal with it and respect it. And the Pope plays that game. We just need to recognize this. After two conservative popes, what we have is a pope of moral liberalism. And, you know, he he, he enjoys just taking it right up to the edge. And that's what he did in this conversation, aided and abetted by two liberal Protestants. Uh, he, he takes it right up to the edge, and then he leaves confusion. But, you know, Tony, one of the things I think I just need to point out in this is that Confusion aids the progressivists, the left, in, in tearing down the entire morality. And that's what the Pope's doing. And he knows what he's doing. He's complicit in it. And, and, and you know, he has—whenever you have a religious leader, by the way, I appreciate the fact you have godly pastors there with you. If you have a religious leader who has to have someone come behind him and say, oh, I know he confused everything, but this is what he meant, and that happens virtually every time he gets on a plane or gets behind a microphone, uh, the problem is not— in the media, the problem is in the source, and right. that's what we're looking at here. And to, to be fair, and of course, the, the, the Pope is the head of the Catholic Church. His statement's inconsistent with Catholic teaching on this issue, and as you said, it just creates this uh, ambiguity where we should have moral clarity. I mean, if, if there's any place in America today that people should be able to look for clarity, it should be to the Church when it comes to these issues, and that's not happening. But it's not just in the Catholic Church. We see this increasingly here in the United States among prominent evangelical pastors who are deviating from the truth of God's Word to be culturally relevant. No, absolutely. And, you know, one of the most interesting things going on here is that, uh, and I say this as a most decided Protestant, um, I don't believe that the papacy is a, a biblically justifiable office, but nonetheless, just in terms of the world scene, we got to deal with the fact there is there is a pope and there is a Roman Catholic Church. But, you know, on this score, the Roman Catholic Church's current catechism is far more doctrinally clear on this issue than most evangelical churches. It yes. states that every single act of same-sex behavior is intrinsically disordered. Now, that's an incredibly strong statement. 
But you notice you don't hear this from the Pope. And instead, what you hear from the Pope is his very first public statement was one of delivered ambiguity. Who am I to judge? To which the Protestant response was, well, I thought at least for Catholics, you're the Pope. I thought that was your job to judge. Um, but, you know, it really throws this, this, uh, this, this ambiguity. And you're right. There's so many uh, Protestant pulpits doing the same thing. And look, let's face it. There are some who have called themselves evangelical who are trying their best to obfuscate on this issue and, and to lean into ambiguity. And, you know, that's not only biblically wrong, it's not only theologically irresponsible, it is pastorally malignant. It, it leads people into sin. And theologically, we know what the consequences of sin are. Yes, we know what the wages are, clearly. Let me ask you this question, though, because there are many Christians who, frankly, are not in the Word of God. They're listening to these uh, pastors who are telling them what they want to hear. What does the Scripture say to this? Uh, ultimately, as followers of Christ, it is the Scripture, the Word of God, that should be authoritative on how we look at these issues. Well, you know, the one text I point to more than any other uh, is the New Testament text of Romans chapter 1. Because not only does Paul speak of same-sex uh, acts, he actually speaks of same-sex affection. Um, in, in, uh, in, and by the way, in the first known historical reference to female homosexuality in the entire ancient world, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul describes the same-sex act and the same-sex uh, 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 affection or attraction in that sense, to which one gives oneself, not only is sin, but the Apostle Paul twice describes it as against nature. And, and, and in other words, the biblical basis is that we are all sinners, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, on his way to making that point, points to one pattern of sin as illustrative of human sinfulness. And it's not inconsequential that he begins with same-sex sexual relationships in Romans chapter 1. I, I, this is not a jump. Some would say, well, this is you're, you're jumping. I, I want to go to the Grammys because I think there's a connection here. I want to go to the Grammys in this um, celebration of unholy uh, that uh, took place at the Grammys with uh, pop singer Kim Petraeus. And, and I want to play a clip because it was very interesting what she said, because many would justify this moving toward uh, embracing what God called as wrong, or he, I should say, uh, made this statement. And this is what draws people to, to uh, embrace what is uh, culturally acceptable. Play clip uh, number seven. I personally grew up wondering about religion and wanting to be a part of it, but then slowly realizing it doesn't want me to be a part of it. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a take on uh, not being able to choose religion and not being able to, you know, live the way that people might want you to live. Now, this is uh, uh, Kim Petraeus. He was a guy who, uh, at the age of 16 from Germany, uh, you know, had some modifications there, and now is a, uh, a woman, uh, or says he is, and so, you know, does this, uh, this act, but I thought the comments there he made were very, very interesting because many would say, well, that's why we've just got to accept uh, these individuals as they are. But isn't this a form of modern idolatry that we want to turn religion into what we want so that it affirms what we want to have? Because if you look at idolatry in the Old Testament, it's all about fueling the base desires of man and calling it religion. 
Well, first of all, you deserve uh, credit for uh, using the word modifications in that context. <laughs> uh, because what we really are talking about here is, again, Romans chapter 1. It is the creature exchanging the worship of the creator for the worship of the creature. And, and uh, again, that, that comes even earlier in Romans chapter 1, and that's exactly what we're looking at here. You know, it, I think it's really important that we say that the Bible has no category of non-binary or transgender. It just, it, it doesn't have any such category. It is a rebellion against the creation, which means it's a rebellion against the creator. And uh, so we believe that all ascendant fall short of the glory of God, and we believe that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that includes coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And that is evidenced by repentance from sin. So an ongoing, you know, claim of this kind of identity, it's incompatible with Christianity. I noticed something that uh, the, the artist, uh, he, who calls himself Kim now rather than Tim, and by the way, that I understand that transition surgically took place in Germany at age 16. Right. So the people tell us that doesn't happen. Well, let's just say there it is. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, you know, making the statement that religion means that she couldn't fit man's expectation. Well, you know, that's what religion is, just to make very clear, but that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is about the creator's intention and the creator's sovereignty. Um, yeah, if all it is is a human judgment, then humans can change the judgment. But this is not just a human judgment. This is the very structure of creation. And so I, I, I want to ask a real-life question here. How do we reach them because some would say, well, you, you got to love them. Yes, we love them, but there's been this conflation of love and affirmation. We can't affirm every choice and every decision. We love everybody, but not every choice. And to me, I, I think the scripture would say we speak truth in love so that they might come to the freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. But if we hide that truth so that we're culturally popular, they'll be locked into that bondage. You know, Tony, I've had to shift uh, some of the apologetic argument that I make uh, because, uh, you know, 40 years ago, I've been at this a long time, 40 years ago, I could say, you know, common grace extends to the fact that if you have a hungry child in need, if you get a liberal or a conservative, they're going to debate the causes of that hunger, but they're both going to know the thing to do is to feed the child. First of all, have the debate later, feed the child now. Um, but, you know, we're in a different world now. So it's not a hungry child. Let's say it's a confused supposedly transgender person, that's where the person from the left and the right, they don't have any shared moral impulse to, first of all, feed the child, because what's being demanded is moral affirmation. That's the one thing we can't give. But you know what Christians can and must do is greater than affirmation. It is confirmation of the fact that they are made in God's image. And it's confirmation of the fact that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is completely comprehensively obligated to love them and respect them uh, based upon the image of God. And that means we can only will for them what God wills for them in creating them. And we will always be there for them, even when the people who are watching the Grammys cast them aside. Uh, the Christian church can never accept the identity claim. But it's not because we think they have no identity. It's because we think their identity is infinitely superior to what they would claim for themselves. And sometimes we have to wait. That is love. Let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Mullers, we, uh, as our time is about to, uh, to come to a close, I always uh, love talking to you. Thanks so much for, for coming on the program today. I've got pastors here in the room, and I know I've got pastors all across the country that are listening. You know, given what we're up against, 
I mean, what needs to be taking place in the pulpits of America to equip believers to live in this increasingly confused culture? Tony, what a great question. And I, I want to speak from the heart to pastors as a, as a fellow preacher of God's Word. It, it takes a couple of things that aren't happening as much as, as obviously should happen. One thing is just preach everything. You know, preach the text, uh, you know, preach the Word in season and out of season. And yet, and, and so that means you can't possibly retreat from God's Word and everything revealed in God's Word. But the second thing is, and this is perhaps more missing right now than anything else, once you preach the Word of God, connect the dots. God's people, Christ's church, desperately needs preachers to connect the dots on the issues of the day, such as what we're talking about right here. How are Christians to think about this? And uh, so your job's not done as a preacher until you have connected the dots to everyday life on the authority of God's inerrant and infallible Word and the power of the gospel. So God bless you, preachers. Preach the Word and connect the dots. All right, Dr. Al Mohler, thanks so much for joining us today. Always good to be with you, Tony. Thank you. Always love talking to Dr. Mohler and appreciate uh, his uh, bold stand. And I appreciate pastors, appreciate you pastors and pastors across the country that are preaching the Word of God. And, and I want to encourage you as pastors to tap into the resources the Family Research Council has available to help you do exactly what Dr. Mohler was talking about. All right, we're coming up to the end of the program tonight. The president making his State of the Union address. Uh, we'll be watching, and uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about it as well here on Washington Watch. Also, we'll have Samaritan's Purse on tomorrow giving us a status report on what is happening in northeast Syria and Turkey and how you can be a part of helping fellow believers there who are, uh, according to reports that I've gotten from my contacts, uh, on the bottom of the list from government uh, officials responding to the needs there. All right, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, once again, I'm going to leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.